When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lobotomies, bloodletting, leeches, and arsenic have all been mainstays of medical care since the beginning of recorded history. In many cases, these were done with the hope of a true cure, but often they were done in the guise of beneficence in in order to financially benefit the so-called snake oil salesman. That's one path we could take today. Another is to find out the benefits from the failures. At the next University of Nebraska Medical Center, McGugan Library Speaker Series event, Dr. Lydia Kang, UNMC Assistant Professor of Internal Medicine, will discuss the historical breadth of how medical treatments, both well-intentioned and not, have evolved over time and why they are still so stubbornly alive today. Dr. Kang joins me for KFOR's Lincoln Live. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. The title, by the way, good listeners, of Dr. Kang's virtual presentation is Quackery Through the Ages. It's April 29th from 1215 to 1:15, And you need a link to get there. You can email me and I will be happy to send you the link. You write fiction, you write poetry, you write nonfiction, and you have a reputation for helping fellow writers achieve some medical accuracy in their fiction. So first place I went to was Grey's Anatomy or CSI. Have they, have they called you up for any medical accuracy? No, not oh, yet. Okay. Not yet. I'd okay. be happy to help them, but not so far. All right. um, most of the time when people ask me for kind of um, a fictional medical consultation, it's, uh, it's fellow authors. I kid, but this is the type of medical accuracy consulting that uh, is very helpful. And you need accuracy in order to uh, be uh, legitimate, whether it's writing a book or whether it's writing a movie. But back to the real reason that we're talking today, medical quackery. Uh, as you've studied dishonest practices and uh, claims through history, which ones get your attention? Oh, my gosh. There are so many out there. Um, you know, in researching this book, it was just uncovering page after page of things that I just wasn't really aware of and was kind of astonished that, um, that you know, the human population subjected themselves to and they were totally okay with it. Um, leeches is probably one that always sort of gets people kind of interested because nobody actually wants to get bitten by a leech, you know, when they're walking around in a stream or a pond or something like that. But, you know, it was a mainstay of many, many treatments for a long time and um, didn't really work the way that they were hoping it was going to. But, it, you know, it was one of those things that was very common. Dr. Kang's a nonfiction book is called Quackery, A Brief History of the Worst Ways to Cure Everything. Uh, we've mentioned some of them, lobotomies, bloodletting, leeches, arsenic. They seem so archaic. Most of them seem very cruel and nonsensical to those of us here in the 21st century. But were there positives that came from what I called in the introduction as failures? What was learned from these? So, you know, I think um, I think something was learned from all of them in that, you know, um, they were kind of stepping stones on 
the path to having a better understanding about how the human body worked and how all these different diseases worked. Um, like you take lobotomy, for example, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a surgical procedure that is non-existent today um, for very good reason. Um, but, you know, at the time that it was being used, there was, you know, an absence of good treatments for people who had very, very uh, significant um, mental illnesses, like incapacitating mental illnesses. And, and this is what they had, and they used it. You know, a lot was learned about neuroanatomy, about, um, you know, psychiatry and, and uh, neurosurgery. And along the way, it was really kind of found that it, it wasn't the best way to do things, and oral medications ended up being the mainstay of, you know, so many types of psychiatric treatment. And it fell by the wayside, but we learned a lot from the process, even though at times the process was, to be honest, somewhat brutal. Help people understand the logic at the time of bloodletting, cutting the patient to the point where they're bleeding almost to death or maybe to death or leeches to have blood sucked out of a person. What was the logic of that? So imagine, the logic actually makes plenty of sense. It's just a point of view. So take, for example, if you're congested, your nose is all stuffed up because you've got allergies. Since we all have allergies right now, right? And you would think, well, what I need to do is maybe like dry that stuff up in my nose so that I'm not so congested. So you sort of take the problem, congestion, dry it out. That's the solution. It's sort of these the sort of opposites of um, this balance that you might think about, right? Well, you know, for a very long time, for, um, you know, thousands of years, over a thousand years, um, there was this concept that um, the way that your body worked was this balance of what we call humors. So things like blood, bile, phlegm, these were all these elements in your body that were in this sort of balance. And when one was imbalanced, it usually meant you got sick. And if you could figure out a way to put the balance back, you would get better. So oftentimes, um, a lot of illnesses were blamed on having too much blood, having a plethora of blood in your system, and it was throwing everything off and you needed to fix it. And so the way to fix it when you have too much of one thing is you drain it, you get rid of it. And so bloodletting was a way of draining this blood humor in order to bring health back to a human. Um, it didn't technically work. I mean, making anybody bleeding anybody for you know anemia aside from some very specific hematological problems is not a great way to actually make people get better. And um, but this is all that they had. I'm sure there was a fair amount of like placebo effect in there that you thought you were getting the best treatment, and so you, you did get better. Maybe you rested, and and whatever was making you sick was going to go away anyway. So you thought, oh, well, the bleeding worked. You got rid of my cold, but you know your cold was going to get rid of, get better. By, it, by itself anyway. So, but this was, again, this thought process of the humors as being the way that the body worked was around for so long. And it wasn't really, really challenged until, you know, the last 200 years or so um, where people started to understand, like, this isn't actually how the body works. So, um, but that was all they had at the time. Dr. Kang has a virtual presentation coming up on April 29th, Quackery Through the Ages. There's a link you need to know. You can email me and I'll be happy to send it to you. It's from 12.15 in the afternoon to 1.15 in the afternoon on April 29th. Let's fast forward. Are there examples of modern medical quackery? So quackery, you know, you would think that with all that we understand about how the human body works and all the science that we have around us, that quackery would be dead, but it is actually very much alive um, you know, the, the supplement industry is a billion-dollar industry. People make a lot of money off of everybody's hopes and fears that there's something they could just pop and would solve all their problems. Um, 
you know, people always want to be a little bit healthier, a little bit prettier. They want their hair to be a little bit more lush. And there aren't fantastic, perfect treatments for all the things out there. And so in the absence of having these perfect treatments that are inexpensive and have no side effects, quackery will fill the void. I'm not saying that every supplement is quackery, but there certainly are a lot of um, things in the supplement industry that probably are quackery that just have no basis in in real science, and the people pushing it are really just trying to make money off of you. Um, And people who are desperate for cures. So the supplement industry is probably one in which there exists a lot of very legitimate stuff and a lot of very illegitimate stuff. And I'm surprised, well, I'm not surprised, but uh, I question it because there's the Federal Trade Commission, there's the Food and Drug Administration, there are government agencies that didn't exist back in medieval times to regulate and control and test, and yet there are still products on the market that claim to be a cure for baldness or lose a pound every 10 minutes for weight loss and those sorts of things uh, right. that, uh, that, that are still making market uh, and medical professionals deem them quackery. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's going to and that's that's a, a result of the fact that there are different rules for um, the supplement industry as opposed to things like pharmaceuticals that you get a prescription from 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 your doctor. So you know you can put things out on the shelf that claims to help with it, help with colds, but you'll always see there's going to be this sort of fine print that says like you know we don't actually technically say that this is going to cure the cold you know these aren't verifiable scientific claims and so the fine print oftentimes on the bottles and things that you're buying sort of tell the truth about where some of these things are coming from there are places where you can look up and see if there's actually good substantial information about whether these things are helpful or not and honestly one of the best places that you can go to as a source um, is your is your doctor you know your primary care doctors ask them um, what they think about such and such treatment. And oftentimes, if your doctor isn't as aware of it as they would like, you guys look it up together and sort of learn about whether or not how, you know, this is a treatment that's safe, it's reasonable, is it worth the risk, is it worth the money? Um, these are conversations I have with my patients all the time about uh, new treatments that come up and things like that. I think of snake oil. I mentioned that at the beginning. Financially would benefit the so-called snake oil salesman. There were some that absolutely had no basis in truth at all, but they pulled up in their wagon, opened up their doors, and started selling just about anything. I think a great example of that is um, there were a couple of of people who actually um, used to implant uh, goat testicles into men um, Mm. with the purpose of trying to uh, improve their virility and impotence and things like that. And, uh, you know, they made a, a lot of money from doing this. Um, and a lot of, you know, men were, were desperate to try to sort of bring back their their youth, and it, it didn't work. Um, and that's one of many, many different examples, you know, throughout time um, where people just took advantage of, of that sort of desperation. They didn't actually – he's the guy who actually did these sort of goat um, – testicle transplants. Um, his name was Brinkley. Um, he was actually, you know, quoted as saying, like, I, I don't know how this works, but, um, and he, he totally got in trouble for it. You know, he got uh, called out by the uh, American Medical Association for his fraudulent practices. This is the kind of insight that you will learn at Dr. Kang's virtual presentation on April 29th. This will be fun to listen to. Very informative and entertaining. Quackery through the ages. Email me and I will send you the link 
for the 1215 to 115 presentation coming up on April 29th. Dr. Kang, thank you very much. Appreciate your time here on Lincoln Live. Thank you for having me, Dale.